0: Welcome to the Village Church Podcast. Thanks for stopping by and taking the time to listen. We've prayed that this podcast channel blesses and encourages the Village family. So lean in with an open heart, eager to grow, and enjoy the episode. It is a privilege to open the Word this morning, and uh, we're going to talk about the politics of Christmas and the advent of peace. And uh, I don't know what your mind goes to immediately as we talk about Advent, as we talk about even politics, and as we talk about Christmas, but there 's a risk of sentimentalism at Christmas time. Jesus, a baby in a manger, meek and mild, this cute, cuddly baby Jesus, even some of our Christmas carols lead us to think that way, silent night, lovely song, but holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, and I like dan i 'm not going to sing that for us. <laughs> And it is true that God came into the world he made as a vulnerable and dependent child so that all of us can identify with him. But the reality of what he accomplished in his coming is far from sentimental. Is far, far from sentimental. The prophecy through Isaiah that Clay read for us, All that Jesus did was all wrapped up in that swaddling clothes and laid in a feeding trough. (laughs) There was a shift in the unseen realm with the coming of Jesus as a baby. The arrival of the Prince of Peace into the world, God actually turned the world powers right side up. They'd been turned upside down by sin and God turned them right side up with the coming of Jesus. The victory of God over the schemes of the enemy, the antidote to sin applied to the world and indeed the bridge for the chasm between God and man through the birth, life, death, resurrection and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it all began at his birth with the advent of peace, the arrival of peace into the world. So if you have your Bibles, please open them with me to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. I'm going to read from the ESV. My encouragement, please bring your Bibles to church. If you don't have a Bible, please come and see me and I will buy you one for Christmas. I'm serious. If you don't have a paper Bible, come and see me. You will get one for Christmas. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that it is indeed life to us. Lord, I pray that the advent of peace might indeed dawn in our hearts and our minds in a greater way this morning as we open your word and sit under the truth of it. We bless you, Lord. Amen. So the politics of Christmas. I'm not suggesting that you, this Christmas, that you sit down and talk about the latest election and and discuss the merits or the failings of the MMM, MMP system. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about the politics of Christmas. Although if people are staying late, I find if you start talking about the latest election, people will probably start to leave on Christmas Day. So that's a good way to kind of clear out the house. <laughs> Just a tip. That's for free. But I'm talking about politics, the advent, the arrival of Christ Jesus into the world, bringing a new government. A new government. Rule and reign. Fullness of authority. The inauguration of the kingdom of God on earth. A kingdom that will be marked by justice and righteousness that was was established at his birth and will grow to fill the whole cosmos and it will never come to an end mm-hmm. and it is inevitable inevitable the god of all creation is passionately committed to his redemption plan the The fervor, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That's what we're talking about when I'm talking about the politics of Christmas. There is a new government established. This child that was born isn't waiting to maybe, perhaps, one day rule once he works out some sort of power-sharing arrangement. We were not given a son who aspired to maybe one day, perhaps, if we all agree, to have the government on his shoulder. Just as surely as his coming was promised, the result of his coming was promised. The result is the government shall be, the government is on his shoulder. This is the anchor that keeps us, that gives us strong and absolute confidence to not be swept away. What we see and even experience in our own lives, brokenness, loss, strife, grief, hatred, hostility. We witness and experience these things in our life, and if our hope is in meek and mild baby Jesus, that isn't much of an anchor to hold us at all. But the government is on his shoulder. The power, the authority, the reign of Christ began with the advent, the arrival of peace. Peace. I'm going to suggest for all the benefits of democracy, and I'm thankful we live in a democracy we do, we don't, I think we become a little bit anesthetized to the true understanding of authority and rule when the scriptures speak about a king, Jesus. Fortunately, God in His grace gives us four titles for this new government. Double titles: Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we're going to look at those four to help, and I believe, give us greater revelation of what it means, this authority and rule, that Christ came in. Wonderful Counselor. Has anyone ever seen Handel's Messiah performed? Like, I get shivers just thinking about when that just, oh, it's just amazing. When, oh, anyway, Wonderful Counselor. Count, wonderful, counselors think king. Think king. The count, the, he has the plan. Not just a plan, but the plan. And not just the plan, but he has the provision and the power to see it accomplished. Isaiah 46, verse 9 and 10. Oh, if my daughter was here, I'd ask her to quote it. I am God, and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. He has the plan and the power and the provision to see it accomplished. Psalm 32 verse 8. I will instruct it. Now, that sounds wonderful and great and big, but you go, God, but what about me? What about my situation? What about where I am? I need a wonderful counselor. Psalm 32, verse 8. God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. God's great, big, majestic plan, that which was from the very beginning that he is working out, lands with us, and he says, I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Talk about the arrival of peace. Psalm 73, verse 24. You, Lord, guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. His counsel, his plan, his way directing our lives by his word and by his spirit. If we had time, and I passed around the mic and I said, "Give me tell me a time when you sought God, when you sought his counsel, and his counsel was contrary to what looked at appeared in the natural, and yet you trusted God and his plan and his way, and the result was it wonderful?" Was it marvelous? Was it miraculous? Was it awesome? Why? Because he's a wonderful counselor. Yeah. Philippians 4, verse 5 and 7. Rejoice. Well, verse 4 says, Rejoice. I say again, rejoice. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't lack peace about anything. But in everything that, like, God's being pretty specific here don't be anxious about anything but in everything doesn't leave anything out does it not much wiggle room oh, can I just please be anxious about this please Lord no he didn't give us any wiggle room but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard, will protect, will shield your hearts and your minds, where? In Christ Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the advent of peace, the arrival of the one who can and does give us his peace. His way has proved true despite, despite what it looked like at the beginning. Wonderful. Wonderful and awesome result. That is the government that is on his shoulder. Mighty God. I'm going to, Mark shared last week as we talked about the church as an army. But think mighty God, think warrior. We don't oftentimes think of that, and it's an unpopular thing in 2023 when we read the Old Testament that the God of the Bible acts violently against his enemies. Violently. Remembering that, that God's enemies are not flesh and blood, God's enemies are principalities and powers. God acts violently against them. He is a mighty God, He is a warrior. Deuteronomy 10, 17, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. Psalm 24, verse 8, David says, Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Exodus 15, verse 3 and 6, if I paraphrase, The Lord is a man of war. Glorious in power and the Lord's right hand just shatters the enemy. This plan that God has that he is working out cosmically and through our lives, he has the power to accomplish it. He is the mighty God. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 24 and 20 to 27. The end comes when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power how can he do that because he is the awesome and mighty god for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet the last enemy enemy to be destroyed is death for god has put all things in subjection under his feet christ jesus is the mighty god who is victorious over the works of the enemy, over sin and of death. What do I have to be anxious about? What do I have anxious... Is there anything that that Christ has not overcome? No. And I would say here for us in 2023 in New Zealand and the West in general, we focus on the fact that Christ has overcome and paid for our debt for sin that substitutionary atonement, if you wanted the theological term. Praise God that Christ has paid my debt. But for the first millennium of the church, the primary focus, and I would say in most of the global south and where the gospel is having its greatest impact and expansion, the thing that is celebrated and amazed and just gloried in is that Christ is victorious over the schemes of the enemy. Christ is victorious. Did you hear that? He is the God of gods and Lord of lords. Talk about the advent of peace. Is there anything more powerful than Christ? No. No. Nothing. Nothing. What can separate us from the love of God? There's a great big long list. And the answer is nothing. Nothing. Christ has indeed been victorious over Satan. If I had to pick just one favorite scripture, this might be it in Colossians 2, verse 15. He, Christ, disarmed, took away from, disarmed the rulers and authorities. Not only that, not only did he take their toys, and he put them to open shame. Open shame. I think tar and feather, naked, walking through the streets. Sh- open shame by triumphing over them in the cross. He is victorious. We just sang the song, Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and what? Triumphant. Hello. You ever watch a rugby game after you know the result? Yeah, sometimes I do. Most times I watch. And you know what? What happens when your team is down three tries in the first half and you know the result? You don't get too bent out of shape, do you? Because you know the result. (laughs) Can I say, people, in the midst, and like we got stuff going on in our lives, don't we? All kinds of things that try to push back against this truth of the peace. But if you know the end, you know the result, you know the reality, despite all these things that would seek to compete with that true reality, talk about peace. Michael Bird, an uh, author, says this, Satan's force is spent. His worst was no match for the best of the Son of God. The fatal wound of Jesus deals a fatal blow to death. The powers of this present darkness shiver as the looming tsunami of the kingdom of God draws ever nearer. Christ Is victorious. He indeed is the mighty God. We have a wonderful counselor. Talk about peace, not left to figure it out on our own. His word is a light to my path and a lamp unto my feet, the Holy Spirit to guide me, the fellowship of believers to support me, shepherds to watch over me. Praise God. Talk about an advent of peace. A warrior God who has achieved victory over the power of the enemy, over sin and death. Christ is victorious. And that's only fifty percent of this government of peace that Christ brings. Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. Psalm one forty five, Psalm 145, verse 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Which generations? All of them. All of them. His dominion. Again, his he's mighty. His counsel, his plan, his power—all being worked out where, throughout all generations. And if I had to pick a second favorite scripture, okay, I've got lots, but if it's maybe in the top five. Daniel chapter two, verse 44. Daniel interpreting the dream that God gave Nebuchadnezzar. He describes a statue and then he gets to this rock that was not cut by human hands that is small, but then grows to become a mountain that fills the whole earth. And this is what this rock does. It says, 2 verse 44, And in the day of those kings, those kings, those smaller kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Hold on, God. There's all kinds of enemies at the gates. Might the wall fail and the gates be destroyed? No. Why? Because God has said that that kingdom shall never be destroyed. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. This is my favorite part of this favorite scripture. It shall break in pieces. It will smash. It will completely destroy all those other kingdoms, bringing them to an end. They're going to come to an end. And it shall stand forever. Everlasting Father. This advent of peace will be everlasting. It will not come to an end. That should give us again a great settledness. The world today—I don't know if—I find myself getting old and getting frustrated with some things. I don't know. I think that's the thing, like like the the obsolescence that's designed into things and the disposable nature of things. That there's like a, a fixed life to it, and then it just we get rid of it, and the next. Well, when I look at the way that God has made the world and his plan and this advent of peace, there's no, there's no upgrade waiting to be downloaded. There, there's no latest version that I need to have. This advent of peace is everlasting. And when I look at our government today around the world, our earthly governments of three and five-year terms and even those that are president for life their reign will one day come to an end. But this advent of peace, the arrival of this everlasting kingdom is indeed everlasting and enduring forever. And I love, I love, God is so kind to us, everlasting father. Because we can think king and government big out there, but everlasting Father. What has, God, what has Christ done? He has brought us into the family of God. Galatians 4, verse 4 to 6. But when the fullness of time had come, God's perfect timing, God sent forth His Son. Born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. This everlasting kingdom, we have access to and intimacy with our Father because of Christ. Prince of Peace. Turn over a few pages to Isaiah chapter 11, verses 6 through 9. This describes this shalom of God, this peace of God that is complete, that is not lacking anything. There is a tranquility and a contentment. There is a prosperity and a soundness and a safety to this peace of of God. Isaiah 11, verse 6 to 9 says, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the and calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra and the wean child shall put his hand on the adder's den and they shall not hurt or destroy. In my holy mountain for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Praise God. Praise God. This shalom, this prince of peace, he has come and inaugurated a kingdom on earth that will ultimately one day look like that. It doesn't yet. It doesn't yet. And I can't remember if I heard it or I read it this last week. Someone said, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to learn patience, Lord, but does it have to take so long? I desire to see a world that looks like that. I look at the strife and the angst and the lack of peace in our nation, in the nations of the world, in households, and I say, Lord, I want to see that where there's no more hurt. One day, please, Lord. And can I suggest we can, we, I think we have a problem in 2023 here in New Zealand. Two things. One, we, 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 the water we swim in is so saturated with a Christian heritage and the advent of this peace that we miss, we miss the reality of what God's peace has done. Um, I, I read a story of a, a lady that traveled from India to America and she was driving and guests and her host picked, uh, picked them up and were driving from the airport on the freeway into whatever city they were going and um, And there was an ambulance coming up behind them, and the host pulled over onto the side of the freeway to let the ambulance go past. And this lady that was coming from India, she said, "What are you doing?" She goes, "Oh, there's an ambulance coming, so we're moving over to let it pass." And she said, "Why would you do that?" She goes, "Well, because that person is like in grave danger, and if there's an ambulance coming, we want to we want to allow them to get to the hospital." She goes, "But why would you do that? You don't do you know them?" no, it's just, it's just another person. And she just broke down and wept. We don't even realize that the value of human life, the whole idea of human rights, the foundation of our government, the foundation of our laws on the sanctity of human life is a result of this gospel of peace bearing fruit for the last 2,000 years. And, I think, we tend to look in too small a bites. We, look in, we think in 50-year blocks, or if we're really big, we think in 100-year blocks. But God is redeeming all of the cosmos. Every last square inch of it. And it's going to take some time. And if we look, we can see his peace, his government, on the increase. And it will continue to increase until it fills the whole earth. Back in the fifth century, my ancestors, the Celts, used to sacrifice babies on fairy hills in front of druids in order for a good harvest. That's what happened. That was my ancestry. Guess when that stopped? When the gospel came through St. Patrick. This advent of peace came to the British Isles and child sacrifice stopped. That was in the 5th century. 200 years ago, in China, there was a handful of Christians that had survived persecution and exile. And now there's over 100 million people that know this wonderful counselor and mighty God and growing every day. In this nation, only 183 years ago, not that long, the good news of this advent of peace came, fittingly, on Christmas Day. Fittingly. To a nation where there was violent Utu, revenge between competing tribes. When there was someone, something that happened, there was violent revenge that happened between and a life for a life. Guess what brought that to an end? The advent of peace coming. We're going to look in bigger chunks and realize that this gospel of peace, this advent of peace is bearing fruit and it will continue to. It is inevitable. The Lord of hosts will accomplish it. From 120 in the upper room, waiting for the Spirit to come to 2.3 billion Christ followers on the earth today and growing daily. Peace is on the increase. Peace is on the increase. And of the increase of his government, there will be no end. The only end is when it fills the whole cosmos. That's the only way it can end. How does this peace spread? Through us. Through earthen vessels, as Paul puts it. As imperfect receptacles of these carriers of this peace. But it, and it's most effective when we are obedient to what the king says. I heard this this week. Kings don't make suggestions. Kings don't make suggestions. Kings may give commandments, and and his subjects obey them. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. So what do we do? We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We're his agents. We're the agents of those peace. Can God do it supernaturally without us? Yes. Does he, does his, is his design to use us? Absolutely. His primary means. Visions and dreams, drawing people to himself? Absolutely. Supernaturally shutting armies down? Absolutely. Faithful Christ followers overcoming by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and not loving their life unto death. That is how this gospel and this kingdom of peace spreads until it fills the whole earth. So increasingly in New Zealand, there's a request for us to keep our faith indoors. You can believe whatever you'd like as long as you maintain it as a private matter and keep it deep down in your heart. Just, just, just you, and, you and Jesus, that's okay, we don't mind. But please don't share it wider than that. But we look at the world, and it is screaming for peace. So this need for peace is a very public matter indeed. The star appeared in the sky to announce the birth of the king, of this wonderful counselor, of mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace the one who would hold a universal scepter with which to rule the whole cosmos. And such scepters are not held privately. They're not stored in closets, and they're certainly not kept to oneself. Jesus is really the king of everything he has made, and that's no private matter. So we sing about it in the public square. We declare it. We say Merry Christmas to people like we mean it. We have a spring in our step, and people go, why are you so happy? You just fought all the traffic I did to get to where you're going. Why are you so happy? Because I know the Prince of Peace. Well, who's that? I had a conversation with someone this week and discovered that they, they think that this life has no meaning and it is a long dirt nap at the end. I was so sad for him. We got interrupted, but fortunately he works in the immediate area, so I'm going to have lots of opportunities to have conversations with him. But we as a people, God uses us to be advocates and declarers of his peace. We're the peace bringers. Peace is on the increase. We sing, we dance. We eat, we drink, we're merry, we proclaim Merry Christmas. Why? Because a child has been born. A son has been given. And the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end.